on this episode three of the Fighting Irish Faithful Show. Notre Dame adds their plus one to their already 10-game schedule. COVID impacts the team and campus. We're going to give some love out to the bookstore and a lot of discussion of the defense. So here we go. Sit back, relax, pour yourself a drink. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers right. They're going to go for two. Back to throw. Walks, looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is set it down. Golson throws over receiver in the end zone. Touchdown! Notre Dame! Somehow, the Irish did it! Out of the pack, 30, 35! Goodbye, baby! At the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10! Fire, fire, rocket, touchdown! Irish! Zubikowski looking for a block. Touchdown right to the 40. Gets a block, gets to the 45, 50. Up to the 45, 40, 30, one man to beat. 20, 15, 10, he's down to the 5. Touchdown, Irish! What's going on, Fighting Irish Faithful? Welcome back. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Faithful underscore Irish. We've got the YouTube channel, Fighting Irish Faithful. We're on Anchor at Fighting Irish Faithful. iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. Please comment, uh, subscribe, follow me, all that good stuff. Uh, we are not officially sponsored yet, but still looking to sell out. <laughs> Uh, but we've got, uh, if you recall from last week's episode where I had two bottles of booze, we are uh, sampling bottle two. Uh, check out last week's episode if you want more of the story. But today is Cuddy Sark. I've had this one before. Uh, and this one's actually pretty good. So it's a blend. Um, it's not a Glen, but it is a blend. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so we got our drink, we've got our spreadsheet, let's get after it. So, Notre Dame fills their schedule. Western Michigan, of course, dropped out with COVID, and Notre Dame has replaced them with South Florida. South Florida is going to drag our schedule down as far as strength of schedule. If you recall from episode one, I laid out the case that the ACC-only 10-game schedule was actually on par with their original schedule check out episode one if you want but south florida was 98th in sagarin last year and finished the year four and eight and fired their coach so uh, probably not a bad decision on that part notre dame's schedule now is worsened to a 54 percent win percentage and they went from a 58.4 sag average Sagarin ranking of their opponents to now 68.2. So, yay. There's no reason why Notre Dame should not beat the pants off of South Florida. However, Notre Dame fans, like myself, probably do not have a warm fuzzy when they think of South Florida. If you recall, the last time they played was in 2011. South Florida entered Notre Dame Stadium, first game of the year. They were coached by Skip Holtz, son of legendary coach Lou Holtz, where Notre Dame lost 20-23 to uh, to a team that finished 5-7 and seven that season. We were losing at halftime 16-0. to zero. I mean, and talk about just, just a terrible, terrible game. Three interceptions, Reese, Chris, that whole drama. Kelly going purple face. We had two fumbles. We ran for a whopping 117 yards, uh, 29 attempts. 37% run percentage versus the past, and two famous lightning delays. 
I mean, it was just a terrible game. I remember having a friend who is still a student texting me during the game, quote, worst game ever. So I think that was the last time we actually had friends over to the house to watch a Notre Dame game. Uh, It was like, hey, this is great. Beginning of the season. And we invited people over. And then that shit show happened. So, uh, yeah, I hope that does not happen again. That'd be highly unlikely. And what's so shocking about that year, and especially this game, look at some of these players that Notre Dame had on the field, not including Tommy Reese and, and whatnot. But Sierra Wood, Michael Floyd, Tyler Eifert, Theo Riddick, though he was a receiver, but still Theo Riddick, and TJ Jones. I mean, you think very positively when you hear those names, and we lost to South Florida. So anyway, um, since we're already on a, uh, a negative approach with the beginning of this show, let's talk about coronavirus, shall we? Yeah. So Notre Dame, if you haven't been uh, following uh, what's been going on, on Twitter or uh, the news media, all that good stuff, COVID has hit campus pretty hard this week, forcing uh, a spike in uh, testing, a uh, number of cases, where Notre Dame canceled practice uh, Wednesday and Thursday. I believe they practiced yesterday. Today is Saturday. Uh, I don't know if they practiced on Saturdays, but um, it's no surprise that with the students returning to campus, you know, off-campus parties, just simply going to the grocery store and and doing what what you got to do while you're a student, there is a spike. And my cousin, who's on campus, um, he interacted with someone who did test positive. So he is self quarantining. He's okay. He doesn't think he got it. His test came back negative. So all is good there with my cousin. Um, but he said, I'm in quarantine with nothing else to do other than homework. Well, cousin, uh, you can listen to this podcast. You can share and you can comment and, uh, anyone else who's on campus, uh, in this lockdown mode as we, uh, uh, battle through it, uh, go ahead and uh, listen to this and follow me at faithful underscore Irish. One thing uh, that that I did learn with this recent spike is that Notre Dame does have a dashboard where they are following the number of tests, the number that tested positive um, by date and whatnot. And I think the university is doing a really good job of being transparent, trying to uh, maintain uh, safety for all you know, faculty, staff, and of course, students and student athletes. So uh, this week's toast is going to go out to the university for being as transparent as possible while still not violating health and privacy laws. So to you, Notre Dame Department, cheers. So with coronavirus, uh, you know, this whole concept of wearing a mask is certainly not going away anytime soon. Uh, I came to the realization that I'm going to treat my mask that I wear outside of my home and out in public or at work. Uh, I'm going to, it's kind of like another accessory. It's, it's, it's just as essential now as my underwear and sock drawer. So with that, um, I'm going to rock my Notre Dame fighting Irish masks. I just got, I ordered three from the bookstore. One is kind of one of those gator kind, uh, kind of like, uh, you just can pull it up when it's around your neck and then pull it up over your face uh, when when you need to. And then I have two others that kind of go around the neck and head. Uh, I'm not a fan of the kind that go around the ears, but yeah, they they rock. They they got the monogram on them. Um, Pretty cool. So check it out. The Thank You Bookstore. Uh, Enjoy the $45 you just got from me. So 
One other thing, though, that I will spend money on at the bookstore, which I have not yet seen, and that is a number 14 jersey. Why number 14? Well, there's two reasons. The main reason is when I played football back in the day, I was number 14. I was a Z receiver. I was on the kickoff team. Loved it. So that's one reason why I want number 14 Notre Dame jersey. I don't have one yet, and I'm, I'm waiting. But I'm hoping that this year, my favorite player, who is also 14, Kyle Hamilton, will finally get there, uh, get his jersey in the bookstore. So Notre Dame bookstore, come on, put put number 14 out there. Everyone loves Kyle Hamilton. If you don't like Kyle Hamilton, you're you're a bad person. As a freshman, Kyle Hamilton last year had four of Notre Dame's nine total interceptions for the year, 27 solo tackles, one tackle for a loss. I mean, it's just so great watching this guy fly around the field. He is fearless. He is he is an animal. He is a, a predator. He's like a shark. I think Shark Week is still going on right now on the Discovery Channel. But anyway, Kyle Hamilton, you know, I'm going to get a second toast to Kyle Hamilton. You're just awesome. I'm so excited for another year of you playing and uh, you're faster, you're stronger, you're more familiar with the defensive strategy that Clark Lee is doing. Uh, This is great. Since we're talking about defense, let's just keep on going because that's what the meat and potatoes is for this episode. So last year, uh, we did very, very well. I would consider us on defense. Famous names like Aloe Gilman, Jalen Elliott, Khalid Kareem, Troy Pride Jr. All those guys have departed the team. Uh, peace be with them. Some in the NFL. And what is left over, we have still some big names. We've already mentioned Kyle Hamilton, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Drew White, Tariq Bracey, and of course last week's toast uh, out to Dalen Hayes. So with the departures and what is left, um, we had a total of 470 solo tackles last year 59 percent of that production is still here with our current roster we had 92 tackles for lost 59 percent is still available and then we had 34 sacks last season 17 of those came from current rostered players so half of our sacks are still on the team we had 17 forced fumbles last year nine are still with us 52 percent and nine interceptions last year, five are here still, 55%. So overall, we're in the positive side. We did not have a massive departure. We did have some uh, very good players, especially Aloe Gilman. The Flying Hawaiian is is now, I believe, a charger. But Notre Dame season should be on the up and up still. We're over 50% in all of these categories. The top two producers for the team though by looking at the numbers uh one of them is not kyle hamilton although he is number three as far as uh production the top two are jeremiah awusu koromoa and drew white and both of them are linebackers and i think this is essential if we look back at successful notre dame teams you know look at 2012 manti teo 2018 recently with tavon coney and drew tranquil uh, those guys had similar numbers uh, what they did on their second to last season than Drew White and Jeremiah Obusukoromoa last season. So what, what do I mean? In 2011, Manti Teo had 62 solo tackles. Jeremiah Obusukoromoa had 54. 
Drew White, 48. Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney had 63 and 63 tackles. So around that low 60s, high 50s area is where your linebackers are for a good season. So Drew White and Jeremiah Usu koromoa are on par with that. Tackles for loss, very similar. Manti in 2011 had 13 and a half. Drew White and JOK had 21 to combined. Compare that to 2018 where they had uh, 18 and a half. So uh, looking good there. Sacks, seven and a half for our current roster leaders, whereas Manti Teo had five. And Tavon Coney and Drew Tranquil had seven and a half also. Forced fumbles, Drew White and JOK had two. Manti Teo, one. Drew Tranquil, Tavon Coney combo, two. So I feel very confident about our current roster, where they are compared to previous Notre Dame teams that were also successful on defense and for all intents and purposes got us to uh, the playoffs and or the national championship game. We didn't win it, but hopefully these guys can push us over the edge now. So those are the individual players. How has Notre Dame's defense improved since 2010? Where has it been throughout the years? Clearly everyone jumps out at 2012 being really good, but how's Clark Lee fit in there versus say Bob Diaco 2012 defense? So what I did is I looked at fourth down defense, passing defense, turnover margin, tackles for loss, sacks per game, total defense, scoring defense, third down defense, and rushing defense, and looked at how did those teams rank nationally, and then compare them from year to year, and then added them up to give you a golf score. So let's start at the very bottom. 2016, everyone's favorite season under Brian Kelly. Notre Dame with Brian Van Gorner and Greg Hudson kind of sharing the responsibility there as coordinators their total sum was 631 that was the 72nd rushing defense the 60th third down defense the 61st scoring defense and so on and so forth okay and that adds up to a very high score of 631 clark lee in 2019 by this same golf score sum up logic versus Bob Diaco 2012 is, on paper, the best defense Notre Dame has had. First, let's look at the categories that Bob Diaco in 2012 was better than Clark Lee 2019. Rushing defense, 11th versus 59th. Bob Diaco scoring defense was second in the country in 2012 versus Clark Lee 12th last year. Total defense Bob Diaco 2012 was ranked 7th, last year 18 by Clark Lee. 26th ranked in sacks per game versus Clark Lee's 32nd. However, the remaining categories, the margin is wider and more in Clark Lee's favor. For third down defense, Clark Lee was 19th in the country versus Bob Diaco's 36th. Tackles for loss per game. Clark Lee ranked 21st versus Bob Diaco's 81. Turnover margin. Notre Dame was fourth in the country last year in turnover margin. Bob Diaco 2012 ranked 28th. Passing defense, third for Clark Lee and 25th for Bob Diaco in 2012. However, 
knowing me, and if, spoiler alert, we don't just look internal. How did Clark Lee do last year versus other teams? How does he perform versus, say, the national champion average defense? Over the last 10 years, the number one important stat other than scoring offense is rushing defense. The national champion ranks 11th in rush defense. Third down defense, they rank 12th. Scoring defense, 13th. Total defense, 13th. Sacks per game, national champion average ranks 20th. Tackles for loss per game, national champion average ranks 21st. Turnover margin, 21st. Pass defense, 28th. You don't even have to be top 25. And on average, you win the national title. Fourth down defense, 34. So that is how the national champion performs. So Clark Lee, compared to the national champion, needs to improve in almost every single category, with the exception of scoring defense, turnover margin, and pass defense. Those three categories, we ranked 12th versus 13, fourth in turnover margin versus the average 21, and third in pass defense versus 28th. But really, that rushing defense and third down defense really, really need to improve. Um, that is that is by far the magic elixir. You have good rushing defense, you're, you're going to do well. So who are the teams that, if I follow my golf score summation, who is the best? It should be no surprise that the best defensive coordinator is Brett Venables of Clemson. He scored 97. 19th in rush defense, 12th in third down defense, 3rd in scoring defense, 6th in total defense, so on and so forth. Then Florida is 2nd, then Oregon, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and then surprisingly, San Diego State, then Buffalo, probably because Buffalo is playing absolutely terrible competition, same with San Diego State, but then Clark Lee is right there at 8th. So I hope a lot of that made sense to you all. Uh, I know I kind of whizzed through that and how Notre Dame's uh, defense is performing. Bottom line, defense is important. Defense wins championships. We are on par. We have the best defensive coordinator that Notre Dame has had in uh, ever since Brian Kelly has been there. If we can improve in rushing defense and third down defense, we will definitely be a force to be reckoned with out there pay clark lee whatever he needs keep him there keep him happy he is doing great things for notre dame that's pretty much all i got this week uh thank you everyone for listening again you can follow me on twitter at faithful underscore irish this is fighting irish faithful you can find us on anchor and on itunes and the youtube channel tomorrow's the indy 500 excited for that coronavirus is not uh, taking that away from us and uh, go irish beat covid <laughs>